0: Has it been since you talked with the Lord and told Him your heart's hidden secrets? How long since you prayed? How long since you stayed? On your knees till the light shone through. How long has it been Since your mind felt at ease, how long since your heart knew no burden? Can you call him your friend? How long has it been since you knew that he cared for you? Since you knelt by your bed and prayed to the Lord up in heaven. How long since you knew that He'd answer you and would keep you the long night through. How long has it been Since you woke with the dawn and felt that the day's worth the living. Can you call him your friend? How long has it been since you knew that he cared?
1: Let's take our Bibles. Turn over to Galatians chapter 1. We're still in our Bible Truth series, and we've been dealing with and have kind of finished with dispensations. And today I want to touch on just the simple thought of this present evil world. This present evil world. And so, Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, is where we're going to kick it off and kind of kind of consider and look into this thought. Uh, it just, um, I think it'll be a help and encouragement to us as we move along here. We all know and have recognized that we're in a, a battle, spiritual warfare taking place all the time, and uh, the reason for that is, is that we're in a, a world that is, in a, it, it, the Bible calls it this present evil world, and so well, let's go ahead and take a look at that, and chapter 1, verse 4, we'll kick things off. It says, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Now again, he says, Grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about this present evil world and try to define it a little bit and put some background to it a little bit and see what God will share with us and what the word of God has to say about it. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, Bless this time in your word. And again, Lord, we desperately need you. We thank you, Father, for the fact that the word of God never changes. We're so glad that you don't. Now, Lord, we know that we do. We know that our world is changing constantly, but thank you that you're not. We're so grateful for that. We can always lean on that, the consistency and the steadiness of you, our God and our Savior. Now, bless us, we pray, and encourage us from your word today. May we learn something that we can apply to our lives and that will help us to face this world in which we live, to understand it maybe a little bit more. And we'll praise you and give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the Bible calls it right off the bat. He says that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Now, while this dispensation of grace, during this time, of course, God's purpose is to gather out a people for his name. We know that as the church. That's what you and I are. We're the church The body of Christ and the world is out there and um, the church is being gathered out of the world, if you will. So there's this present evil world and the Lord is calling out a people from it and uh, those are His people. Now the question could be asked, you know, has God lost control over the world then or is He permitting some other force or something to have its way in our world? Well, the answer is basically this. There are two opposing spirits that are at war, that are at work here in our world, in the place that we live. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 12. Turn there, would you please? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. We're going to see there are these two opposing spirits in the world in which we live. Again, it, you know, services like tonight and, and just church in general helps to remind us continually and constantly that there's a spiritual battle taking place. As we live in the world, it's easy for us to forget that there is that warfare. You know, we kind of lose sight of it, and, it, it, and it, I mean, that's natural to some degree. When You know, they say, you know, um, out of sight, out of mind. Well, if we're not careful, sometimes we lose sight of the Word of God a little bit. We can lose sight of what our purpose is and what God intends for us, and, and that can be a real problem for us, and so we come together on a service like this, and we begin to hear about what's transpiring, what God says is really taking place. And we're reminded again that there's this battle, this warfare, and that, wow, there's really something going on here that we need to be aware of and uh, conscious of. Now, notice what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Now, notice the Holy Spirit. That's really what we're saying, the Spirit which is of God. That's the Holy Spirit. Okay, we, we're, we're received, uh, uh, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. We've received the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, there's the Spirit of evil. It's the Spirit of the world. They're diametrically opposed. They're at opposite ends of the spectrum, if you will. Now, the church is indwelt and guided by this Holy Spirit. The moment you and I receive the Lord, of course, you know that we've been indwelt by Him. Turn, if you would, to John 14, verse 16. One of the great passages on the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 16. We'll read through verse 18. But there are two opposing spirits. The Holy Spirit... And the spirit of evil, they are striving against one another, if you will. You and I are pawns, if you will, in this process or in this battle that's taking place. Notice what it says in John 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth and not neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And so we know here that the church is indwelt. We're guided and directed by the Holy Spirit, that Spirit which is of God. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, the Bible says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Man, he's living in you and he's living in me. And that same Holy Spirit that indwells the believer is also the one who, as we mentioned earlier, is gathering out from among humanity the elect body of the church. So there's this humanity and there's the Holy Spirit going out into the world in which we live and drawing them out of this present evil world and wooing them unto Jesus Christ and placing them into Christ, separating them out from among And as the Bible said, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. On the other hand, the world, or that which is outside the church, when I say outside the church, again, we're addressing and dealing with those who have yet to come to Jesus Christ. And those that are outside of the church, they're considered the world. And sadly enough, it's this present evil world. They are guided and they are, in, a, in essence, indwelt by the spirit of this world, which is an unholy spirit. And again, we don't like to think of things in terms of black and white or or right and wrong. We, we like a lot of gray because we have family and friends and loved ones that we care about. And if they don't know Christ, we'd like to believe they're much closer to Him than they are the devil. But the Bible says there's no... That again, like we said the other day in our service, they're really at opposite ends of the spectrum. You are either in or out. You're either all in or all out. And that's kind of scary when you think about it from that perspective. Because we look at them and we say they're so kind and they're so considerate and they have this church background even and I want to believe they're saved but if they're not saved, they're of this present evil world and they are totally on the opposite end of the spectrum from where you are today. And may I say, if we are not, I mean, if we are not serious about their souls, we have to understand there's tremendous consequences that lay ahead for them. We find those consequences in chapter twenty of the book of Revelation. Look, if you would, in Ephesians chapter six, verse eleven. As we said, uh, the world is outside of the church; it's it's not part of; it's outside, and it it the world is indwelt; it's guided, if you will, by the spirit of this world or that unholy spirit. Ephesians 6, 11 and 12 says, put on the whole armor of God. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, he's a wily guy. He's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve. Yes. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There is a hierarchy of evil. Even as there is a hierarchy of good with God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the archangels, there is a hierarchy of evil. Even as the Holy Spirit is a person, So the spirit of this world is a person. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Say, well, who is that person? I think we're starting to figure that out. I think everybody's probably going, I know who that is. You're probably right. Unless you said it was your (laughs) mother-in-law. Or father-in-law. Let me save myself up here a moment. (laughs) Ooh. See, my mother-in-law's not here tonight. I can say those things. But she's probably watching, isn't she? Okay. All right. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. She knows that's not true with her. She's the best. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 1. I mean it. But anyway, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And you hath he quickened... When we see that word quickened, it's being made alive. And how are we made alive? Through the Holy Spirit. You hath He quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. That is a title for none other than Satan himself. The Spirit... <coughs> that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He's saying, listen, I, he's saying uh, uh, this, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, or according to Satan. You were following his footsteps. You were in his on his terms, and you were moving in the direction he set. He had a plan for your life, and you were fulfilling that plan. says he's the spirit, the evil spirit that now worketh and energizes and and, and empowers the children of disobedience. Man, there is a force that, that enables the lost and enables the wicked to do what they do, just like there's a force that enables us to accomplish what God's called us to do. Man, we downplay the spiritual side of the Christian life all too often. We truly downplay it. We fail to recognize and see that there are, there are things at work behind the scenes. Boy, I'll tell you what, in my own life, sometimes I find myself forgetting that. Man, somebody cuts me off as I'm driving down the road, and I'm like, man, what was that about? And I forget sometimes that it's not about flesh and blood. I mean, I know you say that's ridiculous. You're, you're making too much. No, I'm serious. Somebody uh, s- says something they shouldn't say or does something they shouldn't do, and you think to yourself, oh, man, that... wait a second. My battle's really not with them. My battle's a spiritual battle. And sadly enough, if I'm not careful, I get caught up in all that mess. That old flesh likes to just take charge. And that's not good. It's not good at all. When we think about this prince of the power of the air and this, this evil spirit and how he energizes the children of disobedience, I'll tell you, we just have to remember that there are forces at work here. You know, you look around you in the world and you think, how in the world are things so upside down? What is happening here? <laughs> there are spiritual forces. They're being energized by someone somewhere, and it's certainly not God, because it goes contrary to His Word. When the world crucified God's Son, they refused to accept the rule of God in their life. When they chose Barabbas instead of Jesus Christ, In essence, they exalted Satan to a position of the God of this world and said, yep, that's exactly what you are. You're our God. Even as the people chose to reject God as their head, instead put soul in place, so mankind substituted the true God for a false God. Little g God. Satan's objective, his goal, has always been to be like God. That's what he wants. He wants to be like God. Matter of fact, that's what caused his fall. Look if you in Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. Let's look at verses 13 and 14. Learn a little bit about the devil before his fall. Notice what it says here in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13. It says, for thou hast said in thine heart. Can I tell you, long before anything's ever said with your lips, it'll be said in your heart. For out of the abundance of the the heart, the mouth speaketh. Well, I'm doing the right things, and I'm still going to church, and I'm still reading my Bible. That's good, but I wonder what's in your heart. It's our hearts that God's concerned about more than anything. Because if the heart is in line with him and his word in an obedience to him, then the rest will fall into place. Notice what he says. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. It's interesting, he says, I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God. Again, it's good evidence as we read through the Old Testament that those stars are angelic beings. And basically what it appears that he's saying is is that I'm going to elevate myself above all others. I'm going to be number one, I'll be the top person. There'll be no other angelic created being that will be bigger or better than me. I'm going to be above all the stars of God. But wait, it doesn't stop there. And it never stops there. Because ultimately, he says, I will be like the Most High. See, his purpose and his plan is to exalt himself. And you'll never see a better attempt of him trying to exalt himself than in the person of the Antichrist. You see that over there in the tribulation period. And, and he will indwell, the, you know, the, the, he will... The Antichrist will be indwelt with Satan himself. Turn a view at the 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2. There's coming a day during the tribulation period when Satan himself, uh, through the person of the Antichrist, will sit in the temple of God. You know that rebuilt Jewish temple in Jerusalem? And he's going to sit there as God. He's going to be elevated in his mind as God. And he's going to demand and require that the people of the earth worship him as God that they literally bow before him, that they literally call him God in that sense because he wants to be like the Most High. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, it's the day of the Lord, shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, Who, and it's talking about the Antichrist there, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Man, I need to tell you, it's, you know, we think it's rough now. We think, man, What in the world's going on? Look at the power that our government's trying to seize over us. Look at the power that they want. Can I tell you in the tribulation period, the devil, the antichrist, who will be his man, is going to literally be in the temple where God belongs and say, I am God. Worship me or die. Can you imagine? Sadly enough, what will the world do? They'll worship him. They'll take his mark. We think, how in the world can people be so gullible today to allow the government and allow others to take their their rights away and, and do all these things? Can I tell you, that's just how sheep are. Well, I know studies have been done lately to tell us how smart sheep are. Oh, I know, I've read them. What they really like to focus in on is that they have these innate feelings that they have compassion for one another. Sheep have such compassion for each other. It's interesting how we're trying to raise animals to the height of mankind, trying to give them human attributes so that they are on equal level and playing ground with humanity. Fits perfectly with what we're trying to accomplish in our world today. Sheep are still not very intelligent. Either way, no matter how you add it up, and you know what? They will follow. And that's exactly what the world will do. And sadly enough, too many times we as believers follow the world when we shouldn't. Revelation 13, 4. And they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? In Revelation chapter 13, verse 11 and 12, turn there. Amen. The, the, the world will fall right in lockstep. It's really alarming. It's sad to think about. And do I think, let me just get this, as they, as they said in public, let's address the elephant in the room. Do I think that the new vaccine is the mark of the beast? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> I'm still here. I mean, it's some of the crazy stuff Christians are so worried about. If I get that vaccine, I'm going to put some chip in my head and that'll be the mark of the beast, right? It's chipping. No. No, because remember, the mark of the beast doesn't happen until after we're gone. So don't worry about that now, okay? You're okay. Even if you got the vaccine, you can still be a member of our church. <laughs> now, I know they'll be listening in it's probably. Doo,
0: doo, 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 doo,
1: I got it, okay, but I'll live with that. Okay. <laughs> Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and caused the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Wow. We know and understand that midway into the tribulation period, the Antichrist will receive a wound, I believe, appear to be dead and resurrect from the dead. And then they're really going to worship him, and that's when he's going to be a totally different person. I wonder why. Because the Bible says the devil's all over him now. He's the devil incarnate, just like Jesus was God incarnate. And he is going to demand and require that men and women and all people of the earth worship him. It's going to be ugly. But again, if you know Christ as your Savior, you won't be there. Not for that. You know, there's people trying to tell us that we go halfway through the tribulation. There's others trying to tell us we go all the way through the tribulation. Well, they can do whatever they want, but I'm not. I've made up my mind. I'm going with... (laughs) pre-tribulation and uh, uh, pre-tribulation rapture that's it and you say why because I believe the Bible teaches it I believe it's pretty clear there you have to ignore and and basically you have to determine that the church has become Israel almost If if you make up your mind that the church has taken the place of Israel then I can see why one of those other resurrections fits you but nah, we're not Israel. We're the church. And we see evidence of that in the life of Enoch being taken out and translated. We see that in chapter 4 of Revelation with John being taken out and up into the heavenlies before, uh, you know, we don't see the church after that. It's, we're good to go. You won't have to worry about the tribulation period. I used to wake up at night and walk by my parents' room And look in to see if they were still there. Anybody ever do? Don't raise your hand. I'm not joking. I did. I was freaking out, man. I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" I hope the Lord didn't come back. I hope He didn't leave me, because I knew that meant the tribulation was kicking off. Again, we. I don't have time to get into all that stuff. But anyway, so nonetheless, we see here that there's these two forces at bay: the Holy Spirit, the spirit of evil we got this spirit of the world that's unholy spirit. we got the Holy Spirit of God at work. And boy, there's a constant battle. Now, what means does basically the devil employ to achieve his goals then? What, what, what does he use? What tools does he have in his bag? Let me just give you four. Very, very simple. And they're probably nothing you haven't heard, obviously. But number one, knowledge. He uses knowledge. He uses Knowledge. You know, it was the promise of knowledge that caused the downfall of the human race. You ever think about that? Turn back to Genesis chapter 3. I mean, the promise of knowledge, wow. You say, that's ridiculous. Well, let's read it first, and then we'll see what it says. It's interesting that God doesn't call many wise to the ministry. Corinthians. He makes that pretty clear. I wonder why that is. First, you you need to be saved. You know what? It's hard for smart people to get saved sometimes. I'm an anomaly. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so maybe I'm not so smart. Some of you know that's true. But anyway... Uh, you know what, I mean, I'm telling you, the analytical mind sometimes will talk itself out of a faith in Christ. It just does. It's the way it is. But notice what this uh, passage teaches us in Genesis chapter 3. Notice again, it was the promise of knowledge that caused the downfall of the human race. Verse 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. By the way, that was true. That, that was true. Their eyes would be opened. He didn't say whether it would be good or bad. But he was telling the truth there. You know, the devil's good at wrapping a lot of truth around the lie. Because it makes it so much more palatable so, and the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, little g-gods, knowing good and evil. Hmm. If I recall, that's exactly what that happened. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Man, it was the promise of knowledge that ultimately caused the downfall of the human race. The devil will use knowledge to trip you up. He used knowledge to trip me up. The promise of knowledge even. I'm gonna tell you what, it's a scary thing for our young people to have complete access to everybody's opinion on the internet. Terrible, terrible thing. You can say, well, knowledge is power. For who though? You better make sure it's the right knowledge. Because if it's the wrong knowledge, it will empower them in the wrong way. There are only two spirits at work here. Now, we can go ahead and just, just pretend that there's not two spirits at work. We can pretend that there's not an evil spirit and there's not a godly spirit at work. But the truth is, biblically, there are. And can I tell you, the warfare is always from this side on this side. This side is warring against this side all the time. And you know what? it doesn't surprise me that somebody wants to give everybody as much access to information as they can possibly have because information will kill them. It'll destroy us if it's not tempered with the understanding of the Word of God. And can I tell you, this idea that I can handle it, you can't maybe, but I can, is crazy. You know I don't study out of another Bible than the King James Bible? Can I tell you why? Because there is no other Bible. Not for English speaking, there is no other Bible for us. Why in the world would I tempt myself to believe somebody that's interpreting out of another Bible? I don't read, I don't, I don't use commentaries like that. Why? Because I'm concerned. I don't want to be misled. I don't want to be misguided. One of the greatest books I've ever read was by a man by the name of Jim Berg, changed into his image. Jim Berg no longer supports the King James only. I don't read his new books. I won't read them. I don't care how good his book was. He doesn't use the Bible now. So I don't need to hear what he has to say. You say, that's a little bit crazy. Well, I don't know. I'm still here. How long will you be here? And what's going to happen to your children one day? Where are they going to be? Because what the parents do in moderation, the children do in excess. Be careful. Are there books that we use from time to time? I mean, i got to admit, i I got, I got books in my office right now. You can go through and find some that probably use some of those other versions, yeah. They'll say, well, this is a better rendering for that. And I sometimes think to myself, I don't really need to hear what you have to say then, right? It's hard. You know what we need? We really do need some Baptists that are actually Baptists through and through. They believe in a King James Bible enough to say that's all that matters, all you can use it, and I can understand it with God's help. And actually write something that's worth reading. Amen. Right. Do you know why many of the Baptists are turning to other people? Because they're they're so, so, what do you call it? They say hungry, but they're desperate for knowledge in whatever area, whether it's marriage or whether it's child rearing or whether it's uh, mental health, that we're willing to set aside what we believe about a Bible and we'll read other people's stuff that does not, that do not interpret that the same way. Because we're so desperate for information, so desperate for answers. Can I tell you, we would be better off to focus more on this than everything else going on around us. I'm telling you, and I know that sounds a little closed-minded, and that sounds, uh, but you you ought to be focusing on your body. When's the last time you did that study in the Word of God on the area that you're concerned about and struggling with? I mean, you really dug into it. I mean, you looked up every single word that was related to it, and I mean, you studied it out. You, You dug in. You seeked out the kind of Background material you needed, you really said, you know, I'm going to get into this and find out what's going on, but I'm not going to go outside and read what everybody says because I know everybody can't be right. I don't think we do that a whole lot. You know what's easier for me even as a preacher? Jump on the internet, double click, bam, there it is. Message 101. Internet. That'd be, that's easy. I could do that every day. I could do it every day. We better be careful. Just be careful. You really need to be careful. Because, see, God, the God of this world still works the way he always has. He uses knowledge. And so when Adam and Eve followed Satan's advice, they committed the race to basically accept his leadership and his program. And like I say, he's still in the knowledge business. You know, I think it's interesting. I don't think, I really don't think that God would have shared knowledge with Cain and those after the flood that would ultimately lead to the downfall of the human race and would lead to a flood. I don't think that the lords who gave Cain and them that knowledge to end up in chapter 6 of Genesis. I think the God of this world did that. See, I think it's unlikely that a God of love would give men knowledge that enables them to invent instruments of warfare that are capable of destroying the entire world. I don't think God's in the business of giving us that kind of information, but the devil sure is. See, if it's not God that's providing the information or the knowledge, then who is it? it's clear that there is some supernatural being at the helm who's at the head of the world system. And that person is Satan himself. He's at the head of it all. John 10.10 makes it pretty clear. It says, The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. It's obvious that, again, that spirit, Satan, he's about nothing but destruction. And I believe he will empower our children with the very knowledge they need to destroy themselves. And sadly enough, he's doing it amongst adults across this world. His program is to build up a magnificent civilization without God. I wonder, how many shows have you watched recently that promote the gay lifestyle? How many shows have you watched that don't? I'm not, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical. I, I, I was shocked the other day. I was watching a show and I, and I was like, huh? They showed a married woman having an affair with another woman and, I, and then she wanted to have her family too. Do you know what they're doing? You know what Satan's doing? Do you realize what he's doing to us? He's desensitizing us to sin. He's causing us to go, well, that... And then he's also planting in the minds of normal God. People that see God's plan and say, it is one man, one woman. He's trying to plant that thought in our mind that there are other options and that good people can and do those things. I'm going to tell you something. That is knowledge that we don't need. (laughs) That is knowledge we don't need. And we are being inundated and saturated with it. It's scary, really. And you know, sadly enough, some of us are old enough to know that that's disgusting. That that's an abomination. That that's out of hell. But I'm going to tell you something. Our young people don't know that. They are so impressionable. We've got to be so careful what we allow them access to and what we let them listen to. And by the way, everything that you hear goes in. Uh, somebody told me the other day, I think, they were telling me about, what was it? Is it that um, Alexa? Somebody told me that the Alexa, that thing that sits up on your counter and you can tell it to check the weather and do all that, they said that they actually transcribe what's being said you know, you agree to allowing them to transcribe what you're saying in your home. And I thought, man, that's crazy. So I went home today, and our house has been a wreck for probably three, four months. And I went home, and my wife had the old Alexa on. I looked over, and I thought, I want that thing off now. She's like, I'll get it later. I said, Huh? uh No, I unplugged it, and I carried it into another room. I say I want nobody transcribing what I'm saying in this house. I have no idea what that's all about. i talking about why I'm saying it. But I'm saying it. I don't know why. But I can tell you this. If people can listen to what I say and transcribe it and keep it forever, what happens when it goes into you and is burned into the Memory banks here. You see, I don't remember some of that stuff, but it's still there. It's there. Well, we got to be careful with that stuff. Let me just finish this point up and we'll be done. Again, his program is built to build up this magnificent civilization without God. Now, there are two classes of people spoken of in the New Testament as we look at, again, we're not talking about the three divisions. We're not talking about you know, the Jew, the Gentile, and the church. We're, we're talking about there's the children of God and there's the children of the devil. It's really, you could break it down that simply. You, and you know, you could say saved or lost even if you wanted to. But in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, the Bible says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness, is not of God. So we have this division here in 1 John 3.10. The children of God and the children of the devil. It's that simple. It is really that simple. All who do not righteousness are classed as children of the devil. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, they're called children of disobedience. Look at Ephesians 2.2, and we'll be done. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Again, the devil uses a means of tools to achieve his goals. And one of those is knowledge. And we have to just be careful with it. We have to be at least privy of it. We have to be aware of that. And, and for me, uh, you know, the older I get, the more I, I guess, because of life, you do recognize things, you, you see things that are wrong and you kind of go, whoa, that's, that's really out there. But I'm watching a whole generation that has no clue. Right. Right. I'm, I'm watching Christian young people. I, I'll say some things in my singles class every once in a while to see what kind of impact it has and to see what kind of response it gets. You'd be amazed. Listen, the young people today are being completely duped. Right. Now, we got some smart young people here, and we got some, I think, good, and I think attempting to be very godly young people. But, you know, they're still young people. This idea that children are on equal ground with adults is not true. They do not have your experience. They don't have your background. They don't have your upbringing. They don't have... They're not capable of understanding things the way you understand them, if you're an adult. Now, young people, that's that's not an attack on you. That's a reality of life. Let me ask you something. Do you think young people, how many of you young people are over the age of 16? Anybody over the age of 16? You got a couple that are almost, uh, we'll kind of? and we better start getting some older singles in. Just guy's in here, okay, because I need some people to fill my class up. Okay, you're 16 years old. How many of you think an eight-year-old understands things the way you do? How many of you are 14 or older? Yeah, how many of you think that a seven-year-old knows more than you do? You don't, do you? You're looking at me. Do you? (laughs) You don't. Shake your head. No, that's good. (laughs) How about you? Do you think so? No. You know what? You're both right. Can I tell you something? Adults, young people, see, it it wasn't a knock on you. We're not putting down seven-year-olds. We're not putting down teenagers. But you do need to listen to your parents. And you need to understand, if they say, don't watch that, don't listen to that, there's probably a good reason for that. They're trying to protect you. It's not that they're trying to make your life miserable. They're trying to protect you. So listen to mom and dad. They, they, got, they got a lot of years. As you well know, they're old. <laughs> This word disobedient, in Ephesians 2, 2, it says, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The children of disobedience. That word disobedience means obstinate rebellion. It's hard when you see people in the world that are kind and considerate and loving, and they have nothing to do with God. They might even be a different religion or faith. And you think to yourself, man, they act kinder and nicer than even Christians. And you think, man, this is crazy. Can I tell you that they are obstinately rebellious against God? Now, that's not my definition. That's his. They're disobedient. Listen, why is it important that we go and share the gospel? Because people are in a state a very poor state, a horrible state, a hopeless state. And that's why we go, to rescue them from themselves and from the sin that they find themselves bound by. That's why. Because, see, there are two spirits. Satan and God are in a battle. And we're in the middle of it all. We've got to really be careful. Satan's so good at deceiving and so forth. We'll talk more about all of that. But knowledge, he uses knowledge. Make sure that what you're listening to, what you're reading, what you're studying, what you're focusing on, what you're watching even on television, let's make sure that what we're doing is something that isn't going to corrupt our outlook toward God or corrupt our feelings toward the word of God. Let me ask you something. Does God love sin or hate sin? Be careful you don't watch things that teach that God loves it. Be careful. It's out there all over the place. You be real careful because the devil wants to deceive you too. He wants to deceive me. And I don't know about you, but I think the better off we are and the closer we get to God it seems like the devil wants to fight even more to try to get us off their game. Well, I'll tell you what, he wants to wreck and ruin you because, see, when you get to a place in your life where you're talking to others about him, you're a real threat to the devil. He don't want you out there on the streets. He doesn't want you out there in the community talking to people and rescuing people. And God help us to stay faithful in our soul winning, recognizing that there are two opposing forces and that we are fighting for the God of the universe. We're on the winning side. And we certainly are going to be and are victorious even now. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time we've had, Lord, just to consider some of these thoughts.